You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. Johnson. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, and streaming live on Ustream. This is AfterBuzz TV for Desperate Housewives. Tonight's host is Derek Shore. Joining Derek will be AfterBuzz co-hosts Sarah Stratton and Roxy Stryer. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Desperate Housewives news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424 256 1729. That's 424 256 1729. And now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues. Derek Shore. Hello, Desperate Housewife fans. As you can tell, this is not Derek Shore. This is Roxy Stryer. He actually could not be with us tonight, but we want to thank Derek for a great season that we have with him. Before we get started on talking about this incredible finale, we have a few announcements to make. Phil, can you help us out with that, please? Well, just picking up from Derek Shore, um, the reason why we're broadcasting a day later is because we tried to accommodate. Unfortunately, we just couldn't find a way to get Derek in. But again, we do thank him. He is him. a busy guy. He is. Hard he's. working. Um, you can actually check him out at the 2011 MTV Movie Awards, where AfterBuzz TV will broad- be broadcasting from their gift suites. Incredible. So that is June 2nd and 3rd. Check your calendars. You can uh, check the schedule on Ustream.tv slash AfterBuzzTV. And uh, we'll have more info coming out for you later. But just mark those days, June 2nd and 3rd. And we'll be interviewing celebrities and all, and we'll get you everything. It's going to be awesome. Great. So the other thing I wanted to say, A, we're obviously, we kind of sound a little bit different right now. That's because we're broadcasting out of Studio B. B as in best. Best studio. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And uh, so as you can tell, we're kind of expanding here at AfterBuzz TV. But there's a common misnomer that, you know, just because we're a network and things like that, that. I don't know where I was going with that. What I want to say is this. <laughs> We're all volunteers here. We either donate money or time. And, you know, for a lot of us within the industry, and in fact, that's what we are. We are industry people. And so we feel that we love, I mean, that's that's why we're in the industry, because we love the entertainment field, and we have an opinion on a lot of it, and that's why we started After Buzz TV. And we want to share with you, the fans, all of our knowledge on these TV shows. And all we ask for in return is this, that you tell your friends. Mm-hmm. Spread the word. <laughs> That's Tell your friends. I feel like he's preaching. I am. Yeah, but I, preaching to the choir right now. These people listening are the people that we've got. Well, so that's why I tell your friends. Yeah, that's why I tell your friends. And you know what? If you're listening... You either tell your friends or give us some feedback. Info at AfterBuzzTV.com or, you know, uh, send us a tweet, uh, post on Facebook, whatever you got to do. Just let us know and we want to hear from you. You know, we're here for you and however we can make your experience better, that's what we want to do. So anyways, that being said, on to volunteer Roxy. Well, I- I'm just 
to piggyback on that for one more second, I know that Sarah actually got received some fan mail uh, the other day for one of her other shows, but it really made her excited because people ask questions and she's going to go do some research on that. So ask us que- questions, give us comments, and, and let us help you. What is that, Jerry Maguire? Help me help you. Exactly. And one of the things, um, obviously, with all these shows, we're sort of, we did make Studio B so we can accommodate all of them. But however, now we're really tightening up the schedule to about an hour per show. So we don't always get to say everything we want. And so that's where we'll go to Twitter and Facebook more, especially Facebook and email, where, um, you know, if you, if you guys have a question on some, something that we didn't go into, you know, post it there, whatever you got to do, and we'll respond. Yeah, and believe me, we've got a lot to say. Sarah and I sit and, and talk for hours about this stuff when on the drive home and, and in the living room. So be part of our conversation. Are we, are we good with the announcements? We're good. Okay, moving on. So I wanted to do a little recap for you guys on what we just saw. Basically, Susan Delfino moves back to the row. Uh, to the row. Jeez, my sorority life. She moves back to Mysteria Lane, Wisteria Lane. What is wrong with me? Your mind Data is ingra- oh, ingrained in me. Okay. Moves back to Wisteria Lane. And all of her friends seem a little too busy for her at first. But then they come around and they decide to throw her an old-fashioned dinner, which I was unaware meant a different course at everybody's house. So we start at Renee's house, and she is, of course, doing drinks. Uh, we move on to go to Susan's house, and then we go to Brie, Susan, then Brie, and then Gabby for dessert. And as we were going through this, a lot of different stuff happens between Brie and Chuck, uh, Susan and Mike, and also Felicia and Paul, which we will t- definitely talk about later, one of the biggest storylines to hit this year and Tom and Lynette in their struggling marriage, and Gabby with her stepdad, and the killing of the stepdad by Carlos, eventually. Mm -hmm. So we've got a lot of things to cover up in this episode, a lot of lies, the evasions, and we're definitely going to talk about it all today. I'd like to say, though, they they advertise this as a two-hour finale, and really what it was was... Two episodes? Two, two episodes. Sandwiched together completely. Yeah, sandwiched together. And even, uh, you know, at the end, the voiceover comes on, and that happened after an hour. So it really was two episodes. So it's kind of hard to talk about them as one, but we're going to squish them together even though they didn't because we only have this hour, as Phil told well, me before. I mean, they, I mean, they advertised it as one episode, so I feel like that's how we got to right, approach exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. So I wanted to pick up... Uh, where they started their dinner with Renee. And we learned something today that Renee's husband or ex-husband is getting remarried. Mm-hmm. We learned this at the same time that Renee learns this, and she is freaking out. Okay, so she gets a couple calls from her husband, and she thinks he's looking to have sex with her, and she's debating it. Mm-hmm. And then learns from Bob and Lee that really what's going on is that ESPN announced that he is getting married, and not only getting married, but to the person that he was cheating on Renee with. What are the chances this marriage lasts? Once a cheater, always a cheater, or can people move on from that? I mean, I would say in real life that a lot of times it happens that once a cheater, you're always a cheater, but it's not necessarily true. And then in this case, I think he is going to stay married to this woman mm-hmm. because he's not really a primary character on the show, and that kind of gets him out, you know, out right. of the way, like... It was brought in for the episode, but I, I think it could last, and I don't think we're going to hear much about it unless he, like, comes searching back from her. But, but I think that's kind of, we'll talk about that later, but I think it's kind of 
going to happen in Lena and Tom's situation. So they don't think they're going to also do that in Renee's situation. Okay. okay. I see exactly what you're saying. And we also have a, a lot of divorce issues going on with Brie in her past. So a mm-hmm. lot of divorce happening on the lane. Yeah. Not the row, the lane. Just so, so we're aware, Renee afterwards, she finds us out about her ex-husband and then what does she do? Well, she kind of goes off the deep end. She starts, yeah. She finds out at the very, 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 very beginning of their party. It's the first moment of this long dinner course. And she, of course, is the one serving drinks. And she just goes a little off the deep end with the drinks. Ends up deciding to have a relationship with the bartender, even though she normally doesn't quote-unquote talk to the help. Which is, is funny because the guy playing the bartender, actually, I've had my new obsession with Grey's Anatomy. He is one of the stars on Grey's Anatomy also. So I was like, yeah, bartender boy. I want to see you win here. But that is not what happened. He ended up getting way too serious way too quick. And as, as they said, the relationship was long over. And really what they meant was long over before it even began. Yeah, it was probably the fastest rebound I've ever seen. It lasted a full, what, Five courses, four courses. But what chance does Renee have of finding somebody else? And if so, do we see it being somebody more modest like the bartender? Or is she going to go down the famous athlete route again? Or staying single for a while? I don't know. I think Renee really hits a stride in being single. And honestly, when I was watching it, and I was watching this super short-lived relationship, I was like, I feel like this is probably not unusual for Renee. I wish she has flings like this all the time. I mean, she's this party girl. Yeah. Who's, and then the other thought I had was this storyline of Renee and her rebound bartender was totally the comic relief of the episode. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot, a lot and of much really dr- There was a lot of dramatic, dramatic moments going on with everyone. And hers was this thing that was just this melodramatic relationship. Like, oh, we, we never used to fight, even though they've only been together for like two hours but in the first hour they didn't fight and now what's going on with them Uh so it was really used as just like an uplifting moment and it's just hysterical and over the top but I thought it was really great I almost wish that they took it a step further though because it was short-lived and gosh was this episode really heavy Mm -hmm. I know that's what they were going for but draining I wanted a little more comedy you know that this is a dramedy Mm -hmm. and Besides the Renee situation, we didn't see much comedy. No. And one, one of the funniest moments, though, to me during the Renee situation is when she's on top of the piano singing um, My Funny Valentine. Yeah. And I was four times. Like, four times she sings My Funny Valentine. And it was so funny because I could just, like, picture a couple of my friends doing random stuff like this when they get really, really emotional. And but wasted. I, mm-hmm. But I also have to mention, she wasn't that bad. Well, that's because she is, first and foremost, a singer. She, she did Broadway for a while, didn't she? Yeah, yeah she, she did. She did. was um, and, and Into the Woods. You could tell that she was, was struggling to be bad. Yeah. She wanted to be worse, but she really couldn't. Her voice is too good. Yeah, she, I thought that was hysterical. That's why I found it so funny. It's because she's sitting there on this piano, like, pretending to sob and cry, and everyone on the couch is looking at her like, oh, my gosh, this woman needs to stop. Oh, my gosh, you know, she's mm-hmm. embarrassing herself. And I'm just going... She still sounds good to me. Like, she's not... She wasn't... I would not mind listening to that. Exactly. Seriously, she was a singer at my party. You go, Renee. 
I'm going to sit here and listen to you cry on the piano because you sound nice. Yeah, it was still good. Even through like this wailing tone, it sounded good. I know, exactly. Okay, so this this was short-lived, so let's move on from that and move on to Brie, who has an actual relationship going with Chuck. Now, Brie finds out that Chuck's ex-wife, or, or his current wife that he's trying to divorce, will not let him go because she's in a bad mood. And why is she in a bad mood? Because her shop hasn't been doing well. And how can we fix that? So Brie decides she's going to go into the shop and pretend to be somebody else. And she is going to buy everything there. Assuming that it's a somewhat nice shop. You know, Chuck's a good guy. His ex-wife is probably respectable enough. Wrong. Uh, She goes in, whips, chains, leather, cop suits, big fur vests. Trashy clothing. Yeah, just a like, trashy, trashy clothing store. But basically, took Bree's style and then you flipped it upside down. Yeah. You know, just the complete opposite. The, horrible. De- the denim cap that I actually wore when I was four years old. And it still was kind of trashy then, but I was four, so it was excusable. Now, mm, not so much. So she goes in thinking this is a good idea. Do we think this is a good idea that she decides to take matters into her own hands? It clearly backfired, but would you have done the same thing, or do you let it be? I mean, I think there were a lot of moments she could have saved herself. I don't think it was that bad that she went in, because she w- all she was doing was, like, really buying clothes. It wasn't like she was going in there to figure out dirt about the wife or do anything like that or confront her. She was literally just going in to spend money to give to the woman so she would divorce um, Chuck so that Chuck and Brie could have sex. Like, that's the whole reason this whole thing mm-hmm. came about. And but the thing that puzzled me is she also it backfired. Let me restart a little rewind and restart. Her plan backfired because she called the woman by her name. Right. And then she tried to cover it up by saying, oh, it was on your name tag, even though a name tag clearly didn't exist. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, wouldn't you just say, oh, I heard you say it earlier. Yeah. There are so many times during this episode where I was thinking, Come on, like even starting, I mean, we'll we'll get to Susan later, but when Susan was sitting in jail and she doesn't just say exactly what happened, like, come on, Brie, if you just say, make something up or just say something simple. How'd you know my name? Oh, you introduced yourself when we met. Oh, did I? I don't remember doing that. You know, nobody's going to question that. Yeah, but if you're like, oh, or a friend recommended the store to me and said they knew you, you know, or, or, or anything. Or, or as you were saying, I heard you mention it on the phone, whatever it is, your name tag, you're staring at the woman. She's not wearing a name tag, so what the hell is that? Yeah, it was that was awful. And then, like, just to make that seem worse, she went in, Brie went into this boutique with Renee. And Renee, like, right after this, like, right after this whole name weird situation, Renee goes something along the lines of, told you not to check out the ex-wife. Yeah. Come on, man. Really? I know. I know. I was thinking the same thing. But you know what? Going back, because like I was saying before, this is a two separate episodes, but one episode type of a deal. We completely have skipped over the is he gay, is he not gay portion of this. So basically, Lee confronts Brie, Lee and Brie, and says, oh, you haven't heard? Chuck's definitely gay. I saw him at this gay bar of mine. He's definitely gay. Turns out that he was just 
playing a gay guy because he was an undercover cop at a gay bar. Mm-hmm. Do we 100% believe him on this? I do. I okay. mean, because basically Lee, he put all this evidence, quote unquote, against Chuck. He's like, I saw him at this bar. He had this male partner in the force yeah. for whatever years and then they randomly like yeah, nine years or something crazy. yeah like nine years and then they like completely separated ways after a random vacation together he was like oh that was totally after um chuck tried to put the moves on him like lee made up this whole story about how he could prove right. that um chuck was gay and then in a single story basically chuck threw all those suspicion out the window one he said he was undercover two he said the reason that he was getting a divorce and the reason that he was no longer with his partner is because his wife and his partner had been having an affair for six months right. before he filed for divorce. And, like, that just kind of clears up everything. There's no thing, really, I feel like you can dispute about. Like, right. That's too, It's too like, good of a lie. Yeah. You couldn't make that up. And that's too kind of, like, tragic of a lie. Like, you know, you wouldn't yeah. say, like, oh, yeah, my best friend was sleeping with my wife if, if yeah. it like, I totally it wasn't it. But why can Chuck's wife or ex-wife dictate what she gets out of this divorce if she was the one cheating? I, I don't understand how that works. Is that just law? They they get to battle it out no matter who's in the wrong? Or is that television just taking this to a new level? I think it's television taking liberties um, because about like how like they have, uh, they're fighting over their settlement. And the other thing is... Um, it doesn't seem like they have any kids or anything like that, so it just seems like they'd be dividing 50-50, and I don't know, he's a detective, I don't think he's making that much money or right. that much more than her. But he does have the lake house. He does have the lake house. Not but anymore. So, like, um, it's probably just, like, arguing over little things, but... W- would he be pissed if he knew what Bree did, or do you think it's not even going to come out, it doesn't even matter, because once he said, I would rather create all these new memories with you than even have all this money or live in this lake house, which is really all about my ex-wife. If, if I was Chuck, I would still be pissed at Bree, because his divorce is a very private matter, and they've been together for, what, a week at max. Yeah, like these relationships move too fast mm-hmm. for the good of the people in the show. Yeah, it's a very separate part and like a really big issue about his life that I don't think she needs to get involved in. And more of it's like a trust thing. It's the beginning of their relationship, and she's already like going behind his back and doing mm-hmm. stuff. Like they're not, they're not about to like be engaged or something. And she's trying to like push for a wedding, you know? Right. It's like she's still just like barely even like a girlfriend if that so i do think he would have chuck would have a right to be mad if he knew that brie was trying to interfere i mean she was coming from a good place but still we had another bit of comic relief actually though with brie and chuck when they finally skip salad at um at tom and lynette's to go back to their place to sleep together for the first time Mm -hmm. which causes brie to burn the chicken and the best part is everybody loves is that she burned the chicken because Brie never burns the chicken. So everybody's like, oh, thank gosh, this woman makes a freaking mistake in the kitchen. I thought that was pretty funny, too, and pretty great. Yeah, um, that was so funny because basically in the episode after the Brie is like half-dressed, looks completely disheveled, and she's like trying to Chuck see. Chuck has no buttons on his shirt. Yeah, they're trying to like 
save these chickens. And then, of course, just at this moment that all of this is going on, all the other people who are supposed to be coming to the main course walk into the house, and they're just staring. And Brie, like, Brie and Chuck played off as, like, oh, there was a malfunction with my oven, and yeah. now we're going to have to go buy chickens, but everything's fine. And everyone knows. Like, yeah, clearly. Everyone's, like, we all know, and everyone's smirking. Because it must be just so funny to them to see this woman who is always it's so perfect, perfect yeah. and always has all these answers for all of them, like, mess up. Because we get to see the dysfunctional Brie yeah. as the audience. We get to see her do all these devious well, things. Well, especially this and, season. And see all these behind-the-scenes episodes with, like, the guys and all of that. But her friends don't really see that right. side of Brie. Like, when they're mm-hmm. together, they're always, like, they'll talk about their drama. But Brie's often the one giving advice. It's normally not, she's not too exposed. She's very good at hiding her secrets. Desperate Housewives did a really good job this year showing that side of Brie to us because she was getting boring, mm-hmm. to, to be frank. You know, she, we were watching her character, and she was unrelatable, and it was it was getting to be hard to watch. And they completely took her character and twisted it around so that we could see the real Brie. Mm-hmm. And we love the real Brie. So it, it just shows that people who stumble, just as great as people who fly. Yeah, and it was, it's just a great time because it's like we see that Brie has all these little layers. But she still tries to come off as perfect etiquette Brie, even with her bra showing and her hair tousled yeah. and... But it's fine because according to Bree, she was just trying to save the chickens. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's perfect. Okay, moving on to our our other relationship, which is a much older, longer relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really, really worried about Tom and Lynette, and you would be mm-hmm. crazy not to be worried about them at this point. So basically, we've spent the better half of the season mm-hmm. with them arguing uh, and then a few episodes ago after he had been prom- promoted or offered this new job as CEO or CFO, big wig in the company, it's really causing problems with their marriage. And we think that they're going to get through it. And then just as we think that, they take a step backwards. And they're not taking any steps forwards. They try to. They both agree to go on this weekend getaway. Which is how the episode starts begins, out. Right. And, and last week we talked about, huh, I don't know if they're going to be able to take this weekend off together. Do you think they'll ever really get there? And they do. So we, we know that they're both trying. Mm-hmm. And Tom even buys Lynette this new diamond ring. Yeah, she, uh, he she buys re- her. He replaced her engagement ring. Mm-hmm. The diamond for her engagement ring which Lynette doesn't like. And, you know, she looks at it and goes, this was really thoughtful of you, but I love my old diamond. And Tom says, then why did you complain about it to every one of your girlfriends and point and laugh at it? And I feel like that's very telling of their relationship. Lynette really loves things, but she she makes a joke of things. And Tom takes it very seriously. Remember when uh, we found out that Tom had a huge penis Mm -hmm. and... Tom was pissed at Lynette for not telling everybody about it. Mm -hmm. And Lynette's like, that's just not who I am, Tom. I just don't do that. I poke fun of things. I don't don't try to brag about the good things. And Tom kind of needs that, like reassurance sometimes. And she just doesn't give it to him. And finally, it comes out as he he says, here's what's wrong. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you want. 
and yeah. I don't know what I want either. And if you're in a relationship and neither one of you know what the frick you want, of course it's not going to work out. Yeah, it's it, that, it was a very interesting point because even leading up to there, they went to a struggle to talk about this. Right. Like they showed up at this hotel with all Is these... Is that what it was? I couldn't tell. What, yeah, it was a hotel. It was a hotel? Like bed and breakfast, like yeah. hotel. Yeah, okay. Um, and so they show up at this like very nice bed and breakfast hotel to stay in for the weekend and they go in knowing that they're planning to have a conversation and they both just can't find the ground to start it. Like they both know that they need to talk. Well, how do you start something like that? Do you say, here's my opinion. Now you talk, but they don't even know their own opinions. So how can you even start talking about your problems? When you don't even really know what the problem is, and you don't know what you want it to be. You, well, you I know? think there's two ways that they could have handled it in the episode. Okay. Like, there's, like, in normal life, like, if you go in, you know you have to have a conversation. There's one thing, it's like, you can, like, wait for, like, one little common topic to spread into it. Or you just have to go, hey, look, and jump right in. And it's always awkward if you're right. going to jump right in, but sometimes you just have to do it. And Tom and Lynette couldn't do either for a while it took them being rejected by this other couple that they had been like trying to tag along with right for them to get to a point where they like started fighting a little and the fighting actually kind of you know triggered them into yeah this other conversation about the weather that triggered them into when they were 20 years ago married how perfect it would be and you know Rainy days are very telling of a relationship because you see all these shows now like The Bachelor or or things like that where relationships form, Mm -hmm. but the life is fake. Mm -hmm. You're being followed on camera and you are being taken on dates. You go to Hawaii. You go always are having something to do. And when a relationship gets stripped of all that, and it comes down to just the two people, you know. You know you know really what's real and what has just been an act all these years. And I think they have had five kids and they've had to deal with things for so long. Mm. They've always been busy. She's been working or he's been working and she's been taking care of the kids and he's been taking care of the kids and they're cooking and they're opening that pizza place and he's trying to be the CEO and they're always busy. Mm-hmm. And now he's he's busy. She's not been so busy. Although I don't know why because they have a baby. Where the hell is the baby? I've been wondering the same thing. But anyway, she, she hasn't been busy. He's trying to take time off. And now they're sitting here in this bed and breakfast. Nothing to do. Rainy day. Can't go on a walk. Can't go to the candle place anymore. Can't avoid it. Not apple picking. Talking. And they're and they, screwed. And they can't talk. Yeah, it's, it's really sad. It really comes down to what you said in the beginning and what they say in the show is that they both don't know what they want. And when you don't know what you want, like really what they really want in life. Like, right. And they, they make even a comment. They say that Lynette goes, we've been through the five kids. We've yeah. been through cancer. We've been through failed business attempts. We've been through all this. Why can't we get through this? And Tom's just like, I'm running out of ideas. Yeah. I don't know how to make you happy. I don't know what you want and then I don't know what I want and that's just it's a total like it's really sad but it's a good point that they both are able to say that to each other kind of also in a way because that is their core problem and at least they kind of figured that out 
Right, right, exactly. I agree. And is it that they're fighting for each other now? Or are they just fighting? And is it failing for them to split up? You know, I'm not from uh, parents who were divorced, but I have friends, of course, because 50% of, of all marriages end in divorce nowadays. I have friends, of course, who have dealt with this and I've had extensive conversations and, and I don't know really, do people consider it a failure to separate? Because from an outsider's view, such as mine, I think of it as bold and daring and if you really can't be in the, of course it's easier to stay in the relationship. I mean, it's more difficult in some senses because you're always fighting and there's always problems, but to finally look at each other and both admit it's not working out, especially after 20 years, is that more of a success than it would be to be living a lie and staying together? Or do you fight for your marriage tooth and nail until it's completely deteriorated? Um, it's a very, very, very big question. I don't think there's a single answer because every relationship's different. In mm-hmm. the long run, I don't think... Like, I think that some people who get divorced are failing because they walk away as soon as it gets too hard. And then I think and some people fail because they stay in things that are, like, dangerous and too bad they should get out of. So you can't really put one, like, divorce isn't fail, it isn't success. It's dependent on each relationship. Like, there is no, like, in, like there is no definite, you did this wrong, you did this right. right. I don't think that exists. For But for Tom and Lynette's marriage... At the beginning of this first half, I was thinking, oh my gosh, Tom's going to back out. Tom's going to back out. You know, I thought he was just going to leave. And I was really disappointed and angry at him. Like, I was like, no, this is, you are wrong. Right. I even wrote down, coward for leaving while she's in the shower. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is just, he's ready to walk away. He's ready to give up. And she's fighting tooth and nail. And I was like, I'm on Lynette's side. Like, Tom, you're failing in my eyes. So that was in my head. But then at the end, we get a switching point where at the very end, I might be jumping a little ahead, but no, you're Lynette good. says, and this is after she thought that Tom had left her and then she realized that he like had tried, but he came back. She goes, I understand. When you left, I was thinking all the other, these other things about like you had the car seat and whatnot. And she goes, but I realized what the feeling was, was relief. And when right. she said that, my was, first emotion yeah. was like, oh my gosh, that is so sad. And I was just like, the, I, I was like, what, speechless, do you, speechless. What, what do you do? Like, oh my God, this is the end of it. Like, and then they talk and they're like, okay, we're, we're basically done. And this like, is our signature couple here. Mm-hmm. This is the couple that everybody on the land looks to mm-hmm. as the couple to Emily. model yourself after. Mm-hmm. And now... It's him it's to be saying he tried to leave and her to be saying she was relieved about it. Mm-hmm. it. It's just unbelievable. And have they fought hard enough to give up now? Because as you were saying before, it's, it's not clear failure, success, which one is which, but this specific couple, are they there yet where it's like there is no more fight left in me. I need to fight for myself now. And, and I need to do me because you are taking part of me away from me, you know, because a certain amount of compromise is not good for anybody. I mean, for me, it's a, 
I was looking at this and I was trying to figure out, like, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Right. And the only way I could really resolve it in my head was by looking ahead. And I can't decide if it's a good thing or a bad thing until they know what they want. So I think they need time apart okay. to either realize that they are going to miss each other or that they want to change something to go back to the other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm waiting for Tom to go work his butt off and then realize, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be at home with my wife and kids, you know, or something. Okay. And I come back. Or I want Lynette to, like, feel this these moments of relief and not fighting, but then realize, but Tom... But they're still void. Yeah. Or something. But I, I think the problem with that is they can't go back from where they came. They, they can't. They have mm-hmm. to find a way to move forward. Mm-hmm. And I don't want either of them to 100% give up what they're doing mm-hmm. to run back to the other. I, I hope that it's more of a they both realize simultaneously that they need each other oh, crap. and can't do what they want. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, just, it's very sad, though, because this is the strongest couple we did see throughout the episode even. Like, they're making a toast at dinner, and they're like, oh... This is the best team. Yeah. And they, they pointed out. The best salad and the best team. Yep. And they just point out this couple has made through so much. And now they've made an internal breaking point. It's not the outside really that's torn them apart right. now. It's their insides. How do, how do they handle the kids situation? It seems to come up a lot. And, you know, Penny actually was babysitting Susan's kid or MJ. And Susan confronted Lynette and said, your daughter has this preposterous idea. She's so concerned that you guys are splitting up. And we do see that that's actually what's happening, but Penny's devastated over it. Mm -hmm. And so would all the kids be. Mm -hmm. How how do you do that? You know, do you just break it to them quick, like a Band-Aid? We're getting a divorce? Or do you say, we're trying to spend some time apart. We're seeing how it goes. We'll keep you updated. Dad's moving out. Mom's staying here kids go back and forth you know which one of those things it's hard to say it's so hard um it's definitely something the the most definite line guidelines i could give would be like they should do it together like you know don't don't talk to the kids separately that's the worst when they're trying to it's like sides you know Mm -hmm. literally brad pitt all over again with team angelina jolie and Mm -hmm. team jennifer aniston like which side are you gonna pick everybody's on their toes but I see that happen in a lot of marriages where mom and dad turn against each other and kids take sides mm. you know I, I want to be with mom I want to be with dad and this family is such a unit that I can't ever picture that I can't picture them falling apart like that yeah I mean I, I'm sure that there'll be moments where you it just seems like you have to pick sides you know yeah, they're if they're gonna be living separately, you don't have a choice but to like pick her one or the other sometimes. That's true. But I think the best way for them to approach telling them is definitely together, definitely being like, we still love you guys as much as you want. We want the best for you. Mm-hmm. Like, understand that we'll still go to all your things together. We're not gonna, you know. Right. Like, it's not like, oh, if you have a big event, only one of your parents can go. Like gotcha. Both of us are going to, we're always going to be there. The kids always are first, but we're just not going to be living together anymore. Like stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. Just make a point that you'll always be there for the kids, even together. And just, just parents days. Lynette and Tom need to just communicate as much as possible and maybe. Which they're not great at, but yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree. Speaking yeah. of family issues, moving on to Gabby and the man in the hat who we 
finally learn is her stepdad. Which, by the way, Sarah predicted last week. Props to Sarah over here. We we actually bumped into each other at Disneyland this week, and a friend of ours was like, I know who it is. It's the stepdad. I was like, yeah, yeah, you're far behind. Sarah already predicted that. So... After Buzz props to you, Sarah. Okay, so we see this guy for the past couple episodes lurking around the house. Mm-hmm. He's the man in the hat. He's always in the shadows. He came to Gabby and Juanita when they were sleeping outside in the tent. And it's gotten Gabby so paranoid. When she gets in the car, she walks around at first and circles to see. Before she undresses in her room, she looks out the window. When she's at the supermarket, she's, she's looking in the aisles. She's paranoid. Mm. But rightfully so. And she finally learns that her stepdad, who she thought was dead, Mm. is not dead. And he's back. Now, something that was unclear to me. Did he come back to sleep with her? Or did he come back and then was so pissed off by when she waved the gun in his face and knocked him down and made him apologize for raping her as Mm. a kid? Did that piss him off enough that he wanted to, again, sleep with her? Or is that the sole purpose for him coming? It just seems weird to me that he's been kind of wandering around for weeks, only finally to approach her to sleep with her. I think he was trying to find... I don't think it was technically just to sleep with her. I think he was just trying to find a way to scare her or hurt her. He mentioned, actually, in the episode that he didn't like how her visit home had caused people to start asking questions about him. Like, in questions about, I don't, like, because that's when, when Gabby went home to face her past, and, like, she mm-hmm. confronted, like, a nun and all this stuff, and I'm sure he's right. In the small town, like, after you accuse a nun of all these bad behaviors, it's about to spread around. Like, so it probably raised some questions about what he did, and, you know, he, I don't, just don't he said that that made him angry. So I think he came back to scare her and to maybe even hurt her, you know? I don't know if he came back to rape her again, necessarily, but definitely okay. to make a mark. He was, and I think the reason he was waiting so long was to plan out what he could do. You know, right. avoid Carlos, avoid whatever. So he and was scope out the situation. Mm-hmm. There. He was scoping out the whole thing so he could know how to make his move. Right. So we see that she kn- knows that it's him, and that she notices him and wants to take these self-defense classes, or actually. Mm-hmm these gun gun classes so she can get a permit and that she can buy a gun and uh, she originally goes there and the man really gets in her face and says to her if I was an intruder in your home could you shoot me and this is before she knows that it's her stepdad and she says no I couldn't and he's like then leave now because if you can't shoot a gun holding it is dangerous Mm -hmm. and then she finds out it's her stepdad and the next scene we see her in gun practice, firing away, and he goes, I'm surprised you're back here, and she goes, I changed my mind. Mm -hmm. She's ready to kill. Mm -hmm. We see it in her eyes, you see it in her. She's ready to kill. She has so much hatred for this man, who we learn in this episode actually took her virginity. Mm -hmm. Wasn't just raping her, but actually took her virginity, and then claimed that he almost laughed when she called herself a virgin because... He said she clearly wasn't a virgin because she wore such short skirts and was a slut, mm-hmm. which is a common misconception among people. If if your skirt is short, it does not necessarily mean that you put out. J- just saying. 
just saying, you know, we have these conversations all the time and in sex ed classes and stuff. But seriously, guys just assume that based on what you wear, they can have their way with you. And, and it's not true. And no matter how beautiful Gabby is or how like hoochie mama she may look sometimes, she was a waiting for something clearly the right guy and, and she got that it wouldn't matter her. if she was a slut yeah he's still her stepfather he's still, still rape her it doesn't exactly. matter if you if she's had sex with a hundred people it's still wrong exactly i completely agree and he she has the look in her eyes like she's gonna kill mm-hmm. and he has the look in her his eyes like he's gonna rape mm-hmm. and that stare down is just unbelievable and finally we see that gabby can't defend herself anymore he's a way bigger guy and she thinks he has a gun well first we have the scene where she threatens him with the gun right and she actually does shoot above his shoulder mm-hmm. showing that she has aim yeah and she's showing t- like you think i'm not going to shoot this watch me put this an inch from your head mm-hmm. and then tell me so gabby gabby had the opportunity though to right. get her revenge but she, she, she thought we knew that she had this passion to kill him but she didn't she just threatened him like you leave or i will get you basically right i told him never to come back exactly but he does Mm -hmm. he comes back when she's alone she's gone home to uh make the dessert and he comes back and i'm thinking to myself carlos you freaking idiot your wife just told you that her stepdad's back and she said she took care of it but come on and you're letting her go alone Mm -hmm. he catches on though and he comes back and he hits him in the head trying to get him away from Gabby. Mm -hmm. Carlos hits the stepdad and actually kills him. Mm -hmm. Didn't mean to. Even though early in the episode he had said, Gabby, if I were you, I would have killed him. And then all the women on the lane walk into the house. They see what's happened. And Carlos is saying, I don't want to go to jail, but if I have to, I did it for my wife. And Bree looks at him and says, well, that's not going to happen. And then they hid the body mm-hmm. in the in the trunk, in the coffee table. Mm-hmm. What's with them putting bodies in pieces of furniture? I just thought, okay, after this whole thing happened and, like, they have this dead man on the floor, the camera pans up to Brie and she just knows. She goes, no, you're not. And she's looking yeah. straight at Carlos. And I was like, this is so ironic mm-hmm. because Carlos, He's going to try to hide the murder. Because mm-hmm. Carlos does not like, like, hates Brie because he thinks she was wrong for concealing the murder of his mother. But now she's the one helping him conceal the murder of Gabby's stepfather. And it's just really ironic. And the other thing was I was just thinking, I was like, Brie, you are so good at hiding things. Like, how many murders have been hid on this lane? And now she's dating a detective, so she's going to have to be really careful hiding all these secrets yeah because he's not a regular yet and he doesn't know how how things work there and buddy don't mess with brie you know Mm -hmm. don't don't try to mess with her because she will kill you (laughs) at the same time though there's two things with this plot line that once again i kind of was like hello solution right in front of your face why don't you think about it and the first one was in the very beginning when gabby thought someone was following her she goes to brie um, for a gun. I was kind of like, one, why didn't you just tell Carlos? Yeah. Then he wouldn't be leaving you on a business trip. Two, why didn't Bree just stay to s- offer to stay with her with the gun? You yeah. know what I mean? And I was like, okay, this is fishy. Like, weird. And then the other part was at the end of it 
where, where they're making all these excuses on why they couldn't um, tell anyone about mm-hmm. the murder. And I was like, come on. Yes, you can. Yeah. I don't, you, you killed a guy who was trying to rape your wife. That is clearly self-defense. Yeah. And you have so many witnesses. You know, like they were all just going from these dinner parties. It wasn't like, you know, Gabby and, went and home. And now for, you have a reason to get screwed because yeah, you, you hit, hit it. it. But the thing is, people already think this man is dead. Mm-hmm. So are people really going to come looking for him? Yes, because it's television. No in real life. But then yeah. again, you can't really fake your murder in real life. So Yeah. So just really, really weird. And I was kind of just like, you could make this so easy, easy on yourselves. I know. Because, like, yeah, you do have a detective boyfriend coming. He's going to believe you, Brie. Like, you know? like I know. Uh, speaking of things that you can make easy on yourself, as I was saying before, the Susan situation has really gotten out of control because when th- at the top of the episode, you see her sitting in the police station and the police is and the police officer is really interrogating her and saying, so you knew about the cookies. So you knew they were poisoned. All she had to say was, Officer, I did not know that Felicia had poisoned them until after I dropped them off. Yeah. He would say, how did you find out? She would say, Paul Young approached me and he told me that his food was poisoned. I figured out how it happened. So then I immediately ran to the school to try to stop it. Yeah. Done. Then the cop says, oh, let me check on that story. Okay, well, that cleared, you know? And and really, it takes Mike having to go to Paul to say something. And, pa- and Paul eventually does believe him after he goes to Felicia's house and sees that she has tried to hit the road, which is where light bulb two goes off in my head. Really? Cops just call somebody and say, you're a suspect in our case. Drive yourself to the police station. At least show up at the door. Come on, man. Obviously, she's going to run away. But she actually doesn't. She fakes runs. She fakes running away and really stays so that she can get Paul. Mm-hmm. So after she captures Paul, she puts him in the basement of his own house. and Or the living room. Or the living room, whatever. And sets him up to the IV that... Is some lethal, sort of yeah, some, some sort of lethal poisoning. Susan ends up finding him, and miraculously, she has a little toy police car that makes a perfect siren. It makes perfect sound. siren sound. Weird thing number three <laughs> in this story. Like, come on, pull it together. My imagination can stretch, but not quite this far. Mm-hmm. And the car keeps going because it's ramming against the cabinet, and she saves. Paul, but not really because Felicia catches on and la di da di da So we find out that Paul wants to make a statement mm-hmm. in the end because he doesn't want to be this man anymore because he doesn't kill Felicia. Mm-hmm. Because Susan looks at him and says, you are not a killer. Don't do this. And he lets go. And he lets her go. He lets Felicia what, go. He lets Felicia go. What a huge character step that is. That he did not kill her. Mm-hmm. From the beginning of this season, when we see Crazy Paul, to the end of this season, you know, he's trying to bring convicts on the street. Mm-hmm. And he ends the season, really, somewhere in the middle of the season, he makes a statement, I don't want to have this hatred anymore. Mm-hmm. And from there, he really worked on it. 
he really did. Mm-hmm. And I, I love this. I love the arc in this character. And I think that he is a good guy who really got screwed, you know? Felicia's sister blackmailed uh, Paul Young's wife. If somebody was blackmailing my spouse and trying to take my child, I mean, I, I don't think I would murder, but there's no better reason to, you know? Mm-hmm. That's a tough position he was in. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't even, remember, if you think back to it, he wasn't trying to murder her. It ended up, they were in a fight and, and it was it a was mishap. An accident. It was an accident. Exactly like what happened to Carlos. I know, exactly. It was an accident, all these accidental murders. But I'm just saying, I really do think Paul's a good guy. And Susan sees that in him and, and tries to make the rest of the world see that. Mm-hmm. And she actually gets him to believe that of himself and he wants to make this statement. Now, are you assuming that this statement is, I killed Martha? Oh, yeah, completely. What why, else would it be? Why would he do that? I'm just wondering well, because... It's already does he want to Right, but does he... First of all, then he can delete the recording. Second of all, he can say, she had me tied up and said if I didn't say this, that... She wouldn't let me go. Easy fix. Again, another easy fix. But there are a bunch of ways out of it, but he's not taking the way out of it. So does he want to go back to jail? Does he really feel like he has no place left in the world? Does he just want to do the right thing? I think he just wants to be off his, uh, off his chest. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to get it he's off his chest. He's just tired. If I were Paul, I'd be tired. You know? Like, all these people trying tired to Tired enough you. to go to prison? Yeah. No, not, I don't think it's really about prison. I think it's more about he just feels guilty and sad and worn out. Yeah. I don't think he really cares too much about prison. Okay. I feel I feel sad for him. He's already been him. in prison. I'm worn out for him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's, Poor it's, guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, that basically covered everything that happened in this episode. I'm glad that we got to get to all that um, before we leave you guys we've got to hit the news and gossip and our predictions for next season where we'll also talk about our favorite parts of this season but before we get there of course we have our commercial break want to find out what the after buzz is about Janice is a drama queen this is the divide that is going to carry the series give us a call 424-256-1729 this guy so bear with me here as i read you the news for desperate housewives this week okay desperate housewives season finale was trumped in the ratings by the survivor season finale survivor won the night with both adults 18 to 49 and total viewers scoring a 4.0 for the finale and a 3.5 for the reunion show desperate housewives on the other hand received a 3.0 but I'm not going to lie, that's really sad, especially to be beaten out by Survivor. I know, that's who what I Who I always forget's even on the air because it just won't How die. How many freaking seasons has it been? I will tell you, I was a true Survivor fan for the first six 
six seasons. Mm-hmm. And now they do Survivor, like, you know, where they go back and they pick the best survivors and they do all these things. It's like beating a dead horse, but apparently not. How could it kill Desperate Housewives and the viewers? I don't know. I might have to check it out because I love Desperate Housewives and if Survivor's beating it, maybe something's going on. I know. How sad is it, though, that when I hear 4.0 and 3.0, I think of GPAs. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, one of my grades coming out. Life of a college kid. Okay, moving on. TV Guide reported Damian Hallbrook was not pleased with the Desperate Housewives finale, along with other fans. Last night, DH ended its seventh season, as Hallbrook said. The episode was, quote, a two-hour endurance challenge that was as stretched out as it was a stretch. Oh, someone's going to die? Really? What a shock. It's not like that doesn't happen every day on Wisteria Lane. It's played out, kids. Since ABC is still hemming on a renewal of their once great dramedy of su- suburban septuagarianism, something, in tacky wet seal markdowns, we wouldn't be shocked or even saddened if this was actually the ladies' series swan song 2. Oof. Okay, those are some harsh Brutal. words. Brutal. Harsh words. I will agree with him on some points. I mean, I do think it was a little bit of a stretch. There were a little bit too many loopholes. We are used to murders. At the same time... They're trying here. Come on. Don't and bash on my DA. Yeah, and I still liked it. I will give him that, in my opinion, this season finale, although entertaining and fun to watch, didn't leave me with as many cliffhangers as I was suspecting. I would agree. It was kind of like, here's everything we can throw at you and clear up in one episode, but we'll still leave a little room for more. I but think it wasn't the a reason lot for that is they don't know where they're going next season yet, so they didn't want to leave the wrong cliffhangers and then not answer the questions at all. Yeah, that's true. You know, and also... I think that it was creative how they did the episode, at least, with the old-fashioned dinner at everybody's house. Instead of just having Brie host a dinner and drama there, at least they tried to switch it up a little bit. But I do agree, part of it is getting old. And I really want to have one of those dinners. Uh, yeah, I've because you love... Though. Sarah, for anybody who doesn't know this, which would be anybody listening to this, obviously, <laughs> Sarah's obsessed with party planning so and, and just creating events and food and whatever. So you would, like it. you Brie over here, Jesus Christ. Okay, moving on. Nicolette Sheridan, used to play Edie, is attempting to do more with her lawsuit against Mark Cherry than just win some money. Sheridan is attempting to turn the entire cast against Cherry, starting with Eva Longoria. In the declaration filed with the court, Sheridan claimed, I was present at Eva Longoria's wedding to Tony Parker when Mr. Cherry commented that Tony must like boys because he is marrying this this little small girl with no tits that looks like a boy. Okay, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. As if he said that, and this is the first time you came out, and nobody else heard, and this is the first time you're saying that. And if he did say it, definitely joke. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> or like, and I'm sorry, how is this a legal reference? You know, this is hearsay. This is ridiculous. Yeah. I'm just, like, like, what is she going to do? Call up Eva Longoria? I heard she's been on Terry Hatcher's case about turning against him, too. Like, they're clearly not turning against him. They already signed on for next season. Drop it. You're a money-grubbing like whore. I Jeez, get off my Denver Hellboy. <laughs> I don't know. It's just interesting to me because, like, I feel like if she's willing, if this isn't true and she's willing to say it, then what else is she willing to say to try and convince people to be on her side? You know, I just feel like yeah. it's just creating more drama. I agree. I agree. Well, a little more on Eva Longoria here. She posed topless on a horse for a photo shoot for a lifestyle magazine. She posed lying on her back on the horse, wearing just a skirt with one hand resting behind her head and the other used to preserve her modesty. 
The photo shoot took place in Miami, where Longoria was having a romantic holiday with boyfriend Eduardo Cruz. She was joined by polo players for the shoot, with Eduardo Cruz looking on, of course. I feel like I feel like that must be a very pretty picture because Eva Longoria is gorgeous. But I wonder how Eduardo feels. You know, she's sitting out there on yeah. uh, this horse. Seems like yep. from the look of it, a bunch of people were watching. Obviously, there's a lot of people, but like. How does he sit there and go, yeah, that's my girlfriend. Stop looking. Like, okay. would you want to be like, hey. Phil, you have stayed quiet up until this point. I bet you guys didn't even know he was here. But this is something we can get his opinion on. If this was your girlfriend and she's posing nudie for a magazine, but, oh, she's keeping her modesty because one hand over the breast, of course. Which you know isn't there in the entire photo shoot. And there are all these guys in the shoot oogling at her. How do you feel? Show it all. I got a hot girlfriend. Yo, check her out. Yep. And yep. Check her true, out. True words of wisdom. Thank you, Phil. More on Eva Longoria. After her past marital troubles, Eva Longoria has probably wished for a life without men. Coincidentally, that happens to be the name of her new movie, Without Men. It is a comedy about an unnamed Latin American village that happens to be the, that, and what happens to the local ladies when guerrillas take the men away to fight in a war. With Longoria as mayor, the populace learns how to clean the streets and change the bulbs on the streetlights, and eventually some of the women, Longoria's character included, discover that other women can be even more fun between the sheets than their now absent husbands. Without Men is slated for a July release. This just sounds very weird. Um, so what happens? Basically, the women go lesbian when their husbands are taken away, and Eva Longoria is the mayor? Even though, from the sound of it, it sounds like the town used to be a very male-dominant no dominated city. Maybe she, she becomes mayor after the men all leave? Maybe. Who knows? I, Sounds kind of weird. I can't see this. I cannot see Eva Longoria playing a mayor of any town. Yeah. Like, this just sounds weird. I'm... I, I Honestly, I hope it does well because anything without men is good for us women, but <laughs> I don't know. Except sex. That is true. Uh, not according to yeah, this Not quote. according to this, actually. I mean, I wouldn't know because I have not tried it, but I I think we could get some experts on the phone that would say that women on women's sex may be just as good. You never know. know. Guess you don't know until you try. Moving on. Anyway, okay. Actors Felicity Huffman and Doug Savant speak about their on-screen relationship of Lynette and Tom. Quote, it's a good marriage, says Huffman. It's got its ups and downs, but keeps moving forward. Savant went on to add, it is by no means perfect, but I like what it represents on television. I like what it represents in America. The audience has embraced the Scavo marriage since Desperate Housewives premiered in 2004. Tom's the heavy-hitting CEO, and he's got the power in the relationship, says Hoffman. That's a new thing, and I find that as we act these scenes, it informs our off-screen rela relationship time. Suddenly, we are a little at odds with each other, a little short with each other, in a way we didn't used to be. You're meaner, she says to Zavant as she chuckles. Zavant laughs, too, adding, We've lived together at work for seven years, so there is an ease and a comfort and a familiarity. We don't socialize away from the set at all, but we have developed a connection that is loving and deep and continues to grow with each episode. Interesting. Oh, how sweet. It's funny because the most interesting thing I take away from that quote is this, besides like, I'm talking about the relationship a lot, is, is the sentence that they say, we don't socialize, socialize away yeah. from the set at all, which is just really interesting. And I feel like if, it might be healthy in their situation because really when they're together, they're playing these people that are married and yeah. they don't have anything else that really would, you know, hurt yeah. that. Like they're not really 100%. friend friends, like 
off camera so they don't really have this friend-friend connection in front of the camera. You know what I mean? Often I wonder how on-screen couples remain not couples off-screen. I don't know how to say that better. Do you know what I mean, though? I just don't understand sometimes when you see these relationships you love on camera and then off camera they're not them at all. And I think that this is really how you have to do it. You know, you, you keep business in the office and your social life outside. I think it's especially true for them because this is a long-running TV show. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a movie where, like, one you day you're, you're married and one day the next day you're, you worked in a movie, you know, a couple months ago. This is something they've been doing for years. Yeah. It would be very, very interesting if they had all these off-camera connections because they play husband and wife on camera. Yeah, I agree. And I always love having news on Felicity, Felicity Huffman because Felicity Huffman and Marsha Cross fly way under the radar a lot of times and it's hard to find anything so keep coming up with quotes and giving me something here I, I love to talk about you moving on to terry hatcher who also is under the radar sometimes but she actually came out saying that she was once set up on a blind date with ryan seacrest i thought this was hysterical during an appearance on the wendy williams show on friday she said we got set up on a blind date by a friend it was years ago it's fine he's fine He's great. I think I wore jeans and like a t-shirt and a sweater. It was kind of a rainy day. He's a smart guy, an interesting guy or whatever. But when pressed by Williams about whether the two shared a goodnight kiss, Hatcher added, it was like a peck. She was horrified to learn that photographers had snapped the couple on their date. I didn't know there were photographers shooting with those darn camera lenses. Darn in the place of damn there. Funny. Funny Very company. funny, especially because I like picturing the, um, Terry Hatcher and Ryan Seacrest on a date. I I just don't see a connection. I see a friendship. Yeah, connection. I, what but friends rom- set them up? Yeah, Come but on. romantic connection. I mean, I guess I don't know them personally, but he to me is very like business and very loud and blah, and she's very like you know grounded mm-hmm. woman. So I can't really see that. This is why I feel really bad sometimes for celebrities. I mean, not really because shut up your life is great but you can't even get coffee with somebody without them being your new future husband and all the tabloids it's like they were set up on one date and snap 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 they're almost married you know yeah it's like they didn't even get along so really if i ever make it big time i'm not leaving the house with any sort of male company until i know it's serious because i can't deal with that even if i'm not breaking up with people all the time people will be like i'm so sorry for you no. For what? I just think you should think it's funny. You know, go out that's with a true. Take it with a great Go out with like a different guy friend every day. Yeah, just that's true. Them all. Be that slut in Hollywood. Exactly. That is true. Grain of salt. Okay. Well, that is your news and gossip for the week of May. What is it? The 15th? 16th. May 16th. Clearly, I'm off on my dates. Okay. We can move on now to our prediction. And now... Your After Buzz TV predictions. Okay, so as I was saying before, I don't think they know. I don't think Mark Cherry knows where we are freaking going with this show. I'm in agreement. I think they're kind we of. We saw no previews. Nope, I was waiting. I was, I was waiting too. There waiting for, I was like, where are I they? I was freaking waiting. You don't, you don't really get previews for the next season. Sometimes you get like. A little. No. 
Really? Oh, no, definitely. I've seen things before. Like, maybe not film things, but, like, you know, you'll read about something even online or something. Like, I was waiting to hear anything about next season. Who is signing on? Is Renee coming back? Everything. But I've heard nothing and saw nothing. And now I'm pissed. No, I'm not. I'm not really pissed. I'm just curious. And that means that we're going to have to create our own previews right now. So going down the line, starting with Renee, I thought she was a great addition to the lane this year. We want to see her stay on, or do we want to see I her go? I think she's staying on. And with her love life, we briefly talked about this before. Any Anything there? I mean, they'll give her someone eventually. Yeah. I'm sure it'll come in sometime been a while. in the season. It's been you a while. You never know. Maybe she'll get a li- someone a little more serious next season. Yeah. Instead of Instead little, bartender boy. Uh-huh. Or bar hopping or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. Uh, the Brie and Chuck situation, is this going to last for a while? Or is the detective just going to be doing too much serious detective work for somebody like Brie who is shoving stuff under the carpet or more literally into the trunk? Um, detective, I'm not, I go back and forth over whether I like him or not. And I think I'm going to go back and forth whether the relationship stays or not. Okay. Although I do think it definitely has the potential to be a long lasting relationship, except especially with his end speech in this episode being right. like, i would give up my house. I'd give up any lake house for the new memories. Just and that's a, for you. Yeah, and that's a very big statement. So obviously he has some big intentions. Yeah. So sappy, sappy, sappy. Uh, Tom and Lynette, big question: Are they together next season? Do we pick up next? We do we pick up next season where they're separated? I think so. I, I think, think we so pick too. up. Um, we pick up them. Maybe having a talk with the kids, being like, "We're done. We see him move out." Blah blah blah. You know what though? I think this is interesting because I was talking to my grandparents earlier today and for the first time I learned that when and they've been married 60 years and about 20 years into their marriage, my grandpa left for six months and they were getting, they were getting a divorce and then they decided not to and he came back. And they worked things out and they were married 40 more years. That's so interesting, especially for me to hear because like, I've met your grandparents yeah. and they just are so like love the cutest yeah. thing, love each other, like yeah, you adorable. Know. I would, you know, I've never like pinned that. So it shows mm-hmm. that people really can recover and have mm-hmm. lasting loving things even after split yeah. ups. You know, it's, it's, it was similar situation happened where, uh, you know, I mean, it didn't have to do exactly with work, but he had fought World War Two and basically was just going through all this stuff afterwards and not being able to deal with things. And it, it's just one event that can tear a couple apart. Mm-hmm. But when that event passes, you know, if Lynette gets some success of her own or Tom makes enough money and can step down a little or something like that, then their love and their marriage, it's still there, it's still intact. So that's kind of like what I would like to see there, something yeah. Maybe they start split up, but I really can't see them staying apart for a whole mm-hmm. season even because I'd be devastated. Yeah, and they have a lot of, like, you know, the Spirit Housewives loves little twists and turns, so maybe they won't reach, like, we need to be getting together. Maybe it'll be, like, one of them tries to win the other one back or mm-hmm. whatnot. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, with Gabby and the stepdad story, is this the last we're going to hear the stepdad or people coming looking for him. Oh, oh! Is, don't roll your eyes at me, young lady. <laughs> this is obviously not the last of the stepdad. They're not just going to hide a man in a truck. You know, someone's going to see yeah. or someone's going to suspect. It's going to 
be a big drama. Okay. We know it. Okay. And what about the Felicia, Paul, Susan, Mike, that whole group? Is is Paul going to jail after his statement? Is Felicia in the clear and completely run She's away? She's dead. Totally right. That's there's my spacey mind. Well, supposedly she, yeah, she's, she's dead. Exactly, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. You never know if she could actually come back, but that is true. She got hit by a truck. Yeah, she. I I don't know. I was I was just thinking about that. I was like, I know I'm missing something there. I don't know if I would say she's dead for sure, but I definitely would say that emergency room maybe maybe loses her memory, turns into a different person. Mm. It was a. It seemed like a head-on collision in real life. Dead, but. Until you see the dead body buried underground, and even then, sometimes in television. Until they really tell us that she's dead, we have to assume she's alive. Yeah, exactly. And um, Susan and Mike, their marriage seems to be going pretty strong. We haven't seen MJ in a while, though. I'd like him to come back next season. Mm -hmm. And Susan, do you think she'll... I don't know. What's next for her on this lane? I guess she's going to try and find a new job so she can keep her house now that she's back into it? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, unless the school, which doesn't seem like now after that cookie fiasco, will let her back in. But maybe they do and they understand and they figure out what happened. Um, and, and basically those are our predictions. But I want to know, of the housewives, because really sometimes we veer away, but this this show is about those housewives. Uh, Renee just got added, but Susan, Gabby, Bree, Lynette, whose storyline did you like best this season? I have to say... Um Breeze was really entertaining for me. Okay. She probably a little bit because of um, Brian Austin Green, you know, being added in there. But she, oh, the love she, of my life, Brian Austin know, Green. Yeah, she's had so many moments where, like, I go from loving her to, like, hating her. Mm-hmm. Like, I, there was one moment. But that's moment. the best. Yeah, and that's kind of the best. Like, I get so fed up with her after episodes. Like, when, when she lied to Brian Austin Green, Green's ex-girlfriend who was the mother of his child they didn't know about and she lied and told him told this woman that like mm-hmm. um he never wanted to see his son even though he didn't even know like I was like are you kidding me how could you do that then there's other times where like she burned the chicken and she pretends to be all perfect to her so I really like her and she's had some fun you know we saw her get into the dating world have this hot relationship now she's in this weird relationship I mean do you, do you have one of the women on the lane who you feel like really just didn't do it for you this year? Anybody that you wouldn't um, mind seeing killed off or No, I'm I don't want any of them killed yeah. off. Like I really there's there's literally something I loved in each person's mm-hmm. story. Like I can go through each housewife and tell you something I just was great. And I completely agree, which is what makes the show these women as I said before, sometimes we steer away. But it looks like we're going to have to wait so long until the next Desperate Housewives. I'll be so sad. Um, and, and goodbye yeah. to everybody. And thank you for listening to us. And Derek, if you are listening to us, you were so amazing this year. Thank you, thank you for hosting the show for as long as you did. And that seems like it for Desperate Housewives. Goodbye to all. Goodbye. That's right. Well, also tune in to Gossip Girl. Yeah, that that will be our last show of this season that we're doing together, Sarah. Yeah. Our little duo must part for a while. Until next fall. I know. Definitely listen to Gossip Girl. Just as good. And uh, you can listen to Sarah on Games of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Very Sunday night. Show. Great show. So anyway, yeah, great season. Okay, now that's the wrap. <laughs>
From producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek, engineer DJ Jesse Janity, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions or comments, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzzTV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.